What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. This is episode 58 and I am here tonight with Ryan and Tyler. How you fellas doing tonight? I'm doing pretty well. I'm looking up the Red Wings numbers and we finally don't have someone that wore the number 58. Hopefully that changes here in the near future, even though it's probably the worst number to ever have. But overall, I'm good. Got a beer. It's nice out. Just finally busted out the griddle tonight for some dinner and steak and uh, that's about it. Yeah, I'm doing well. I mean, the Bruins lost last night, which is always good. a good thing. Um, Fuck the Bruins. Fuck them. <laughs> I got two baseball games on here, so I'm in the full full uh, baseball mode, I guess, if, if, if that's the way you want to put it. Um, but I'm doing good. The weather's nice, and I can't really complain besides the fact that there's no Red Wing hockey on TV. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Chara left last night's game with a broken jaw which is pretty interesting. He was wearing the, the fishbowl and didn't play at all in the third period. Uh, yeah. So, well, and, and that that's going to be a blow to them. And let's see. Let's see St. Louis win their first ever Stanley Cup. That'd be great at home. Yes, please. But uh, we've got a few things to talk about tonight. We're going to go over a couple prospects that the Red Wings could get at pick six after the combine shook out. We are going to talk a little bit about a couple departures from the Griffins recently. And we have a couple questions from Twitter as part of a little mini mailbag. But let's actually start with the Griffins. Today, news broke that Libor Sulak will be leaving the Griffins to go over to the KHL. And if I, I'm not Russian, and I will preface this by saying that I am going to butcher the name of this team that he went to. You still do better than we do. But Libor Sulak has signed a one-year deal with... Severstal Sharapovitz of the KHL. Uh, totally thought you were going to say Sharapova, <laughs> and I was actually intrigued. He went and signed with Maria Sharapova I in would. the KHL. Uh, but he was an RFA for the Wings. He did play a few games this season. He was a great skater, but his defensive game was pretty lacking. We had someone mentioned this earlier. His lateral movement was not great, uh, and, and he really didn't pick it up through the season so i guess he figured he wouldn't make the lineup had to have had some kind of conversation with with eiserman and decided to go play for some money in the khl but along with lieber sulak there was news at the end of last month that both hari sateri uh is going over to the khl and jake chelios will be going over the khl to the chinese team so what are you guys impressions of the griffins getting a little lighter I mean, for everything we've talked about in regards to a D log jam, especially in the AHL ranks, this is fantastic for them. Um, and also for the goalie ranks as well, because we got what Fulcher and Larson, Larson. That are going to be entering their first year of their entry level contracts. So, along with, I mean, depends on what they do with Rybar, I would assume that they bring him back so they have somebody that's got at least some professional experience there. So they'll, they'll run with three goalies, I would assume. But that's huge for the younger crop, if you will, especially when it comes to whatever the the wings draft in the upcoming or pick up in the upcoming draft. If they go D, that gives them an opportunity if they are ready to skip over if they're going to go juniors or foreign or whatever it is. So that's uh, to me, I think it's good. It kind of sucks in the sense that we didn't get to see more out of Sulak. Chelios, I think we he was destined to be the next Brian Lash off essentially. But other than that, I mean, it's not a huge loss for them in regards to depth or playmaking ability. 
Yeah, I mean, the one that hurts the most, I would say, is probably Libor Sulak because, you know, you did see the way he could skate in um, in the preseason and even a little bit during the regular season. His defense game got really exposed. I, I remember going to a game against the Bruins this year where they lost 8-1, to one, and I was really, really, really drunk. So, thankfully, I don't remember exactly how he played, but I do remember watching some of the replay of that game. And, you know, defensively, he's just not all there. So, best of luck to him in the KHL. And, you know, if he comes back to the NHL, the Wings do still own his rights. But, you know, he's not, he's not going to leave the KHL to come back here and play in the AHL. Jake Chelios, good for him. You know, I mean, go make some money because you're not making it here. And, unfortunately, he's not going to be in the NHL. Just not good enough. And Hari Sateri, I mean, he's been a decent AHL goalie. He's just never been able to make that next leap to the NHL. Like Ryan said, it just it gives you an opportunity to see more of the younger players and even players you're going to see, um, you know, getting drafted maybe this this uh, spring. And, you know, you might be able to see him this coming fall in the AHL at least. And, and you know, it doesn't really do much for the NHL because neither of those guys were all in the NHL. Um, but it does it does get, free up some spots in the AHL. And that's that's important as well. Yeah, Sateri looked good when he played for – he played like 10-game stretch, I think, for Florida and looked good. And he just – it seems like his numbers didn't fall apart, but uh, you could tell that Rybar was playing better on the Griffins than Sateri was because Rybar became your starter. Uh, Rybar went on to play at the uh, the World Championship. So Sateri, I mean, if you're going to make more money going over to the KHL, go make more money. So – I guess, yeah, the good point is that it frees up some space. We were having a D-log jam, but with, I guess, now two defensemen leaving, I think Joe Hicketts, uh, he might be the casualty of war. He's on an RFA deal right now. Or he's an RFA now, but I mean, we're going to get Lindstrom in this next season and see what he can do. And, I mean, McIsaac's going to be too young to play in the, the AHL. I, I think... To that point, we were kind of talking about earlier too. Hicketts is kind of the one to to watch to see what happens, because you know, with Sulak gone, they've got. I'm looking at cap friendly. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine guys that are showing as non roster defense. But you have to take into account that they're likely losing Chalowski and Heronic to the the big boys. So that leaves them with seven defenders right now that are non-rostered, barring any free agency pickups or undrafted guys that they could bring in. And, I mean, if all goes well, then who knows if Koski's not going to get the Sulak treatment and be up at the NHL level those first several games. So they could be right at six defenders in, at the Griffins, so they're going to have to do something. I don't think I can't see them necessarily getting rid of Hicketts. I think it could be a good move in the sense that they're trying to trade away his rights with some picks, but uh, with those, all those guys moving out, they're, they're kind of actually kind of tight on defense on the, at the, the Griffins right now. Yeah. Cause you move out Sulak and you move out Chelios, mm-hmm. you bring in Lindstrom and you bring in Kasky and you're, you're only getting rid of probably Cronwall on defense unless they wave yep. Erickson or find somewhere to trade daily. Or daily, yep. Yeah, so you're not really getting much lighter on the Red Wings' defense to, to squeeze people in. So it's going to get real interesting real quick, and I think we'll see more movement towards free agency. Yeah, to see, right before. Yeah, to see what's going to happen and how our roster might might end up shaking out. Kind of like the point that 
Max Boltman brought up in his, one of his recent articles talking about Iserman's kind of history when it came to the draft. And to that point, just seeing if he decides to make a move or a small move to bring in either additional prospects on D or if he tries to wheel and deal to set himself up for going into the free agency period like that. Because just to where they're at, I mean, defense is, I would say, their number one shit show. I think we can all agree on that without making a move in free agency. So unless he plans on going after someone, I mean, that's that's the biggest what if right now. The only way you go after someone is if it makes sense for the here and the now and the future as well. So like Jacob Truba would make sense or like someone like that. It doesn't have to be specifically him because he's from Michigan. The I mean, price like, is right. If the price is right, fine. But like it doesn't have to be Truba. If you want to be better this year, there are other options besides Jacob Truba that, that give you an opportunity to make the D better now and in the future as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need a stretch guy. Like, and Iserman said it himself, he's not coming here just to make a splash to try to make us a little bit better right. For, for right now. He's trying to make the team better for the future. So, like a guy, like you said, a guy like Truba, and it doesn't have to be Truba, but he's the name that's most linked because he's a Michigan guy and he wants out of out of Winnipeg. But he's an RFA. So you, you would be trading at this point for his rights. Yep. Unless you do some kind of sign and trade, which never yeah. happens in the NHL, unless you're stupid like Ottawa with Mark uh, Stone. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I I can't see giving up a ton for Truba unless you've got a, a verbal agreement with him in place saying I will sign with you long term, which I think that's probably the most the most respected kind of take on it right now is that he's a Michigan guy. He'd probably talk to Iserman beforehand and say, hey, listen, I'm willing to come here and sign a long-term deal if you trade for my rights. Kind of like what just happened with Kevin Hayes. Uh, Kevin Hayes' rights were traded to Philly for a fifth-round pick. That was a great pickup by Philly, by the way. Yeah, as long as it works out. If it works out and and Hayes extends with them, that's a a steal for a fifth-round pick. Absolutely, a guy that's putting up consistently 40 plus points he's broke the 50 barrier before and he's 6-5 i mean i, think, I think hayes is gonna want to test the market i do i do like it's it's yeah it's it's not like baseball where these players are they get a contract and they have to take it because there's they don't know what their next option is like kevin hayes is gonna have suitors besides the flyers come july 1 whether it be Boston or whether it be, you know, a team out West or whoever. I mean, there's going to be teams that are looking to get better and looking to have a guy that's, what'd you say? Six, five. I mean, like there's going to be teams that are going to be out there today on, uh, I was listening to 31 thoughts today, Elliot Friedman's podcast. And he was saying that the Blackhawks may be interested in Hayes because the Blackhawks are actually the team that drafted him. It's something that's interesting to to look at. The other, the other thing that was brought up today, and I kind of cringe every time I see it, is that there's there's talk that Carlson wants to be closer to his home in Ottawa, and I, not with the Sens because you know how horrible that situation was. But Detroit's name was mentioned. Because Detroit, they say, is closer to winning a cup than Ottawa or Montreal, and it would be closer to his to his home. And 
and me and Tyler kind of went back and forth on it, and I don't think I'm willing to give Carlson the 10 to 10.5 million with term he's going to want. Take about three million off that, and I would take. I would play. But he's not. He he wouldn't do it. He'll sign for ten somewhere. Drew Doughty got what ten million, right? The difference between Doughty and and Carlson is huge. I mean, Doughty's a shutdown guy. He's played in playoffs. He's he's won a, two like Stanley Cup. Cups. He's won a gold medal in the Olympic. Like, what has Carlson done? I mean, Drew I know Doughty, he's got oh. the two Norris trophies. Oh, so so yes, he's got the two Norris trophies. I, I I kind of bite my tongue a little bit saying he's injury prone. I guess it was just this year, but like he's not your typical shutdown defenseman. He's not your typical. I mean, he is a number one because he's a, a fourth forward out there, to to say the least. And he's unbelievable offensively, but defensively, I just do not see him there. But but Tyler, and so he's still going to be better defensively than ninety percent of our defensemen. Okay, so that's why I would take him. That's exactly why I would take him, but not at ten a year. I would take him at eight and a half a year. I wouldn't. I would do that if it's less than if it's eight and a half and below, which is going to be a hell of a stretch or whatever. I would say yes, but I mean, just for reference, Doughty's making eleven. Yeah, Doughty's making eleven a year. That's okay, a kick but in the where dick. where do you see him signing if? If he wants ten million a year, he's gonna have to go to a team that's that's like the Red Wings, where they're not quite there to win yet, but they have well, I guess some cap space. Oh, we've got cap space. I mean, we're gonna go into the into free agency with probably about sixteen million in cap space, which is pretty good. Which is excellent, uh, sixteen million or more. But as far as uh, Carlson's achievements go. He was an all-star in 2011, 2012, 2016, 2017, 2018, and 2019. He won the Norris in 2012 and 15. He was NHL first-team all-star in 2012, 2015, 2016, and 2017. And he won the Viking Award in 2012, 2016, and 2017. What the hell is the Viking Award? I am glad you asked me what the Viking Award is. The Viking Award is awarded annually to the best Swedish ice hockey player in North America as decided by a vote among all Swedish-born players in the NHL. (laughs) So how many does Nick Lidstrom have? Um, What I know is that the... Top only Matt Sundin has received the award four times. Peter Forsberg, Marcus Nasland, Bjorri Salmig, Henrik Zetterberg, and Eric Carlson have received it three times. I don't think Lidstrom Lidstrom won the award one time. What? Huh. In 2005, 2006. Zetterberg won it the two years uh, after him. So, couple, and then Zetterberg won it Zetterberg. again in 2012, 2013. Which is the last time their wings were actually rel- truly relevant? Yeah, last season, last season, William Carlson won it. That makes sense. The, the, Ryan, the last time they were relevant was the last year of Babcock, where they lost in the first round in Game Seven. That was the last time against Chicago. No, no, against Tampa Bay, where they lost in Game Seven. They had a chance to. Oh, to thirteen. Oh, we're uh, with Peter. Yes, so yeah. that was thirteen. I didn't even know this award was a thing. I don't know. It makes me very happy that it's called, especially because it's called Viking. Why did they not? Why have they never talked about this? Because it's not an NHL award, so they don't care. Oh wait, wait, Tyler. He was also the World Junior Under 18 Best Defenseman in 2008, the World Junior All Star in 2009, World Junior Best Defenseman in 2009, Olympic All Star Team in 2014, and Olympic Best Defenseman in 2014. Greg, must I send you the video of him getting walked? 
Oh, he's. I've seen like, him get walked several. I've seen him walked all the time, and that's why I'm saying I'm not saying he's not really good or even great. He's just not great defensively, and he's not even in the same stratosphere as Drew Doughty defensively. You're arguing no. it to me, who I had said I I'm nervous taking him, and the the reason that I'm nervous taking him is because he's missing part of his ankle. Now he's not injury prone per se. Uh, before last season, uh, he only missed like he misses like an average of like eight or nine games generally a season. But last season he only played 55. So next year is a really telling season because if he only plays another 55 games next year, then not you could say he's he's out for 20 something games, 30 games a year because of his bad uh, ankle. So. I'm kind of I'm half and half there with that, but if you're gonna get him and he'll say I want to be closer to Ottawa, I don't want to play for Montreal, I don't want to play for Ottawa again. I wouldn't say I'm wanting to go to Canada at all. I'll take nine and a half to go to Detroit. At the, at that point, with with the cap creep up every year, I'm I might be inclined to do it. I mean, there's no question he's still gonna be your number one scoring top defenseman. And then you put, I mean, my thought He's going to gonna that, score more than 60% of your forwards. Oh, absolutely. Well, with the current batch of forwards, yeah. He'll also make the forwards a lot better, which is one thing that we've been looking for. And we thought Mike Green was going to do, which he kind of has. Green's but Mike Green's though. pretty much dead. But, but Yeah, exactly. And that's when he's my healthy, point. he's still doing that, though. And then you add in Hironic, who finally he came into his own those last 15, 20 games. And then you you have Chalowski coming in, depending on who they end up picking. If you add him to those those couple guys right there, you've got the ability to roll three deep lines. And then Bowie, their Bowie, I thought he really picked it up to close out the season as a kind of a two way defender. I mean, there's a lot of mobility that could be there. You're not having to rely on Carlson to be back there playing defense. You just put him in there to go score a fucking goal. Yeah, your lines would be Carlson, Hronik, Green, Chalowski. The Kaiser Bowie and then Erickson's your extra or Kasky. It actually would Kasky, probably end yeah. up being if if Kasky is good, your your last line would be De Kaiser Kasky and then Bowie yep. would be your extra defenseman. I'd be good with that, to be quite honest. I was playing around in cap friendly today just without making any free agency splashes and whatnot. Honestly, the wings defense, I mean, I say this cautiously. Very lightly. Yes. Could be Decent. Good. I'm, I'm gonna go with. I'm not gonna go with good yet. Okay. Decent. An okay. Better than it, we've seen in the last like eight years. Not. Not eight geriatric. Years. Well, no, let's, maybe not. First, eight, the not first thing nine. you notice is there that wouldn't be a geriatric bunch. Yeah. Because you have. You're saying uh, it'd be like putting lipstick on a pig. Uh, maybe like a poodle. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, t- I mean, I'll take that rather than Cronwall crawling across the ice. So yeah, you you be going. Do we have Cronwall. any? Do we have any insight on if he's coming back or not? No, no. The, I don't, the diggers are quiet. There's been no news on a Cronwall contract or anything recently. There so, hasn't been much of anything. No, and that's why I just sit it. I sit and I hit refresh on Twitter and I wait. Hit refresh on Twitter and I wait. And there's nothing. It's it's radio silence on the Red Wings front. Like, like even from Max and Craig, it's been pretty quiet. Other than coverage from the Worlds and the Juniors, like there, there hasn't been much that's come out about any like off-season programs of guys. I mean, granted, there could be things coming. I don't know. I'm not their their buds and talking to their their ears off and whatnot. But 
I think in comparison to years past, the like Colfin, he finally posted today about Datsuk not likely returning. Oh yeah, we knew that that, wasn't going to happen. I know, but with like current players, typically we've heard more about like their off-season workout programs or things that have been going on with what they've been doing training-wise. I mean, there hasn't. I don't. I feel like I've hardly seen shit. It's a little early, and you know the World Championship ended. They just ended, so you know those players. The combine just ended too. True. Those those players are going to take a little bit, you know, go on vacation or whatever, and then you know you'll see them, you know, throughout the summer on on Instagram and social media and what have you. So do you guys want to go to the couple questions we got from Twitter next, or do you want to talk about prospect or talk about the draft prospects? Let's do the questions last. You do the questions last. All right. Do you want to talk about prospects first? I mean, do you want to discuss the cup finals as well? I mean, we can talk about it. Uh, Series is tied. Series is tied two to two. We're going Gloria all the way to the end. Fuck Boston. Pretty sure Chara's jaw's broken. That he's probably going to be out the rest of the playoffs. I thought he died. Yeah, I mean, he came back and you could see blood like all over his face, and he was wearing the fishbowl, and it was it was a, a a sad in in parentheses. Uh, look, but <laughs> you mean quick I'm really hoping. No parentheses in in little. It was a, it was a look, but it in next to it, it was sad <laughs> because it's Char. I mean, he's a, he's I just feel a, bad an old guy. Kid. So, I, I mean, I think all of us are on on the Blues train, right? Oh, yeah. absolutely. I hate. Awesome. I mean, I hate both teams. Don't get me wrong. Mainly because I I hate St. Louis just from the years of playing Detroit in the Central. But there's a special place in hell for Boston, so. <laughs> yeah, especially after they partnered with Barstool. But we will go anyway, on. To we will talk. go on. Are we talking? Are we taking questions? Or are we talking prospects? I think we're talking prospects. Fucking talking prospects. Let's yeah. do this. So the Red Wings will be picking at six. The combine happened recently. It ended on Sunday. And there have been little trickles of news coming out of it. I think one of the one of my favorites is we've got another hot quote from a prospect where Cole Caulfield was asked, what happens if the Red Wings don't uh, pick you? And I think his response was, then they'll regret it. So don't make me hate you, Mr. America. So then there was a an article that came out that said, like, the attitude of Zadina with the skills of Larkin. Was that our favorite? Was that Helene? I, I think it was Helene. Just because people kept asking her, where's Caulfield? Where's Caulfield? She put out an article about Caulfield. Just trying to blow smoke up our ass. But mm-hmm. Caulfield, uh, we have two, I think, possible picks at six. If both Bow and Byram, who I believe will go at four or five, and Turcotte, which I believe will go at three to Chicago. If both of them are gone, you are looking at either Cole Caulfield or Trevor Zagris. And I have been watching tape on both of them, and I think we'll start with Zagris. And the thing that jumped out to me most of all, I believe, was just his insane... He has insane playmaking ability. He's got a good shot, but he has insane playmaking ability i think one of the things people use to describe him was he has what they call 360 degree vision which meaning mm-hmm. he knows where everyone is on the ice at all times he's kind of like that guy you don't want to play on nhl 19 where he yeah. just pulls shit out of his ass and then all of a sudden he's got to talk to somebody else in scoring he knows all the the stick combinations for every deke and he uses yeah, them all that at asshole. one time yes 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. The and then you're just, yeah, you're sitting there hit you're sitting there hitting right bumper trying to get the puck away from him and you take a penalty. I think Tyler out of instincts trying to not throw a controller right now. Yeah, so it's no, let's not go there. Zegris is and if you can go on YouTube, go. if you're watching or if you're listening to us on YouTube, I'll, I'm going to put the links in the bottom uh, in the comments or the description section to the the highlight packages. But Zegris, he can shoot, but his setup ability is Incredible. is insane. He will do a no look backhand pass past two pe- two defenders directly on the tape of the person he was trying to get it to, and it's not that he just does it once or twice. He does it consistently, and, and so consistently that it's scary. And the thing about that is, too, is he'll do that, but right before that, he's taken a pass that might be behind him that he'll flick off his skate from behind him through his legs to his stick, and then it's going the other way. And again, he just doesn't do this once. He does this three, four, five, six times in a season. Mm-hmm. And it's just it, it's beautiful to watch, and I understand that they're kids playing against kids and the goalies aren't that great. And the defenders aren't that great, but like he has that hockey IQ and that sense of where everyone is to to be able to make plays, which is something we are missing past like Dylan Larkin on this team. I think, yeah, him and, him and Bertuzzi, I think, are the, the only two that you could really put into the category of holy shit did they just do that well i've seen mantha do it a few times but not consistently enough for for me to say mantha is an amazing playmaker well i guess he did it the most at the worlds yes mantha but like to zegra tyler tyler what were you gonna say no i i I was just gonna say i guess i guess like the biggest thing is like do you think it, it, it at this point in time i guess you do take best player available but there is there is kind of a, a debate. Do you want to take the playmaker or do you want to take a guy that, you know, could score potentially 40, 50 goals? Well, that's I mean, who we're going to talk about That's really what it comes down to. Yeah, and, and right. that's why I said the player and not his name. Um, but the fact that he had, what, 61 assists in, in, in the U.S. Um, under 18 and the fact that he's going to a great school like Boston University is going to get to play there for at least one year. You know, it's calm your boner down over there, <laughs> Mr. Boston. Well, it, it, you know, it, <laughs> is that a paid I, advertisement for BU right there? No, no, it's re- it's really not because they, they weren't that good last year. Do I have but, to insert like their fight song in the background of this clip or something? Right as he starts talking about Boston, <laughs> just throw it right in there. <laughs> no, just like like I said, the fact that he's a good playmaker, and if you think that we need more playmakers, then you take him. And you know, I guess we can discuss the other player after. So, Zagris, go ahead, Ryan. No, I was gonna say to that point of needing more playmakers. That's where you kind of hope that for what Hiroshi showed us in his short time, is, is he gonna be that type of player? Do you keep adding to that guys that can make the play of oh my god, did you just do that? Kind of like we were just talking about, or do you go for the, the the fancy, I can score all the goals like Zadino wants to? See, I didn't look at, I think with Hiroshi, I didn't look at his tape because he was an undrafted guy. Mm-hmm. I didn't look at his tape to see what he had done at state and what he had done in juniors. And I guess I'd have to go back and look and see where, because I don't even think he was ranked to be drafted. I need to see Hiroshi for more than, I think for more than a couple weeks. And not I need to see him. Yeah, I need to see him in probably 15, 20 games at the beginning of the season 
on a on a consistent like second line to see what he can do as far as playmaker wise but in, in what i've seen of him i feel it's promising but then whenever i go and say something everyone tells me to pump the brakes so. i'm i'm pretty i mean for what detroit has done uh i mean the last several years of getting the random college free agent there hasn't been very many i mean the most prominent one you can think about is the kaiser but yeah. the way hiroshi came in from game one and made an impact on a top six line i don't i mean the way he was playing at michigan state he was one of the top point getters in all of ncaa hockey so i, I think that's something that you got to kind of kind of bank on and i think it gives you a little more flexibility to um, go away from the playmaking type and go toward the the score the scorers, if you will. Was is Hiroshi? He's just strictly a winger, though, right? Or is he a centerman? No, he's a he's winger. Center. Yeah. yeah, he's a winger only. Yeah. Winger. Okay, so I mean, you're still hurting in the sense that you don't have you're not picking up a, a top end center, and Zagris could kind of fill both the center or wing role. And the biggest thing about him too, from what I was watching, that guy was on the ice for a lot of the Hughes, especially for the U18s. Oh. World, you're right over there, Tyler. Miggy just hit a grand slam. <laughs> oh, can you retire now? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, this isn't a Tigers <laughs> podcast, but the oh, sound like if we didn't have video going on right now, I'd be kind of concerned about what the hell was going well, on behind the mic. He's not as good as he used to be, obviously. But to see him <laughs> hit a grand slam at this stage of his career, that's pretty good, impressive. All right, yeah. sorry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that was worth it. Just this the noise. But anyway, I don't even know what the hell I was talking about because freaking Tyler got me all flustered. So Well, I think that the thing is is if we if Joe Valeno develops like we think he's going to develop, you could have your second line playmaking center. So take a guy like like Zegris, you've got two real possible real good picks down the the middle behind Dylan Larkin, which is not a bad not a bad thing to have. No, no. I mean you need that. But the stats on Zegris, he is six foot, uh, one hundred and seventy four pounds. He had eighty seven points for the U.S. national under eighteen team. Uh, in 60 games, that's 26 goals and 61 assists. So 87 and 60 is not bad. It's actually really good, and that's why he's a top-end prospect. But my pick at six is Cole Caulfield. Now, if he's there, people, hmm. oh, Caulfield will be there. You think so? Yeah, because my mock five, my mock five is Hughes, yep. Kako, which Turcotte. really you could take those either way. Yeah, Hughes, Kako, Turcotte. And then uh, Byram and and probably Zegris, but Doc could go up there. I think Doc is mocked at five. So what of, what I've seen him pretty high yeah, on most. What do you think of uh, Pot, Holes, Pot Colson? I think he's going to drop out of the top ten, honestly. But but I think – Why so, do you say that? Because of the possibility of him not coming over to North – Well, yeah, he's got a KHL contract for next he year. Does, right? but he showed up at the Combine – and I like he worked in the combine, to be honest. And he said at the combine that his dream is to play in the NHL. He's just not going to do it until after his contract is up. He's only so, got one year, right? In the no, two. He's two got years. Also two years two remaining years. on his contract, but but people I mean, are saying his season did not end very well. So, so it's like it's like the, in one of the second best league in the in the world. 
it's like the Kuznetsov thing. The Capitals didn't get him over to to North America for like a few years. It's like most of the Russians. Kucherov. It's like a lot of Russian players. Yeah. But but we're gonna talk about my guy Cole Caulfield, who is a five foot seven, one hundred and sixty three pounds, which that apparently is giving a lot of people pause, saying he's short, he sucks, which I don't think are two things you can put together. Have you watched because... Johnny Goudreau play hockey? Have you watched Alex DeBrinket play hockey? Weird. There's a lot of shorter guys in the league now. Have you watched Tori Krug play hockey? Like, the height really doesn't have much. If anything, them being shorter and lighter makes them more elusive. Sure, they might get bumped off the puck more, but if they're fast enough, the people trying to bump them up aren't going to touch them. Nope. Especially There's when a they lot of decent short players nowadays. I mean, exactly. Yeah, the league, the league is, is late... just becoming more skilled. Yes. It's not like it's back more... in the day when Martin St. Louis was like the only small guy and he was he was dominant. But... And he was still good. Exactly. Martin yeah. St. Louis was great and he was But he could short. also hold his own and throw a body around if he had to. So, I mean, uh, so what's impressive about Cole Caulfield is Everything. he's got speed. He's got hands for days. He's got a great hands, I think. His so his hockey, he's not a great playmaker. He's a okay playmaker. He's not a great playmaker. He can dangle a bit. He's kind of the opposite of Zegris, if we're going to talk about the playmaking abilities. Yeah, I think the and, – and his teammates the and the other people at the draft raved about him. They said he is probably the he, – they're like, he's the greatest guy on our team. He Of mm -hmm. course he can score, but, like, they say he's sneaky elusive and he's pretty fast. And – he okay so in 64 games in the u.s national under 18 team for the u.s development program he had 72 goals and 28 assists for 100 points 100 points in 64 games and it kind of put that into perspective he broke the record of clayton keller for most points in a season uh, he also broke phil kessel's goal scoring record in the u.s national development program so he has scored the most goals and that record was set in 2005 when kessel was there and he also broke austin matthews record for most goal in a season which i think was 55 55 in 2014 2015 and he, he scored not, he not 72. only broke that record he blew it out of the water he destroyed it <laughs> cole caulfield is the best pure goal goal scorer in this draft and he might be the best pure go uh, goal scorer we've seen in some time oh absolutely his shot i i, I mean i don't even know what how to is, who to describe it to greg what are the chances we look back at this draft five years from now and say caulfield should have went one i wouldn't uh, say one i wouldn't say one because to get an elite talent like hughes as a center yeah. is it's yeah. probably the most valuable thing, but we could look back and in five years, maybe and say, why wasn't oh, three? the production? Well, I mean, and I'm going to stretch it. And by no means is this a serious thing, but you could look back maybe in five years. And what if in five years he's, he's done more than Capo Caco? What if in five years he's done more than Turcotte who gets picked at probably gets picked at three. Yeah. Like, I could say maybe in three years you go back and say, wow, Cole Caulfield probably should have been a top five pick. He fell to us at six. Oh, Cole Caulfield should have probably been a top three pick. He fell to us at six. But I'm not, I can't say that for certain because he, 
well, like you say, he's playing with kids right now. And yeah. when you put him in a game with adults, the, the game changes. But what from watching his tape, he sees a spot, he picks it out, he shoots, and it goes exactly where he wants it. Oh, it's incredible. Whether there's one person in front of him or four. And it doesn't matter it doesn't how matter. close they are to him either. If that puck's at his feet, he's putting some pepper behind it. It's going top shelf. All day. And the more people in front of him, the better, because at that point, they're trying to get in front of him, and they're screening their own goalie. Mm-hmm. And the it's, fact, it's the like fact, the, the lanes never close for him, pretty much. Greg, the fact that the kid is five foot seven, one hundred sixty three pounds, and and blew Austin Matthews's record out of the water, like that's insane. Like you, you, you put that kid in front of me, and you said which you know three guys in front, and you got this short guy, a tall guy, and another tall guy, and you mm-hmm. say this kid broke the record. I'll be like, yeah, right. That's insane. And, well, and the thing is, is you put those three guys in front of me, a short guy, a medium guy, and a tall guy, and you give me their point totals and a couple pieces of tape, I'm picking from the tape and the point totals, not how tall they are. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's that's what I'm saying. That I'm just saying based on looks, you would never think this guy would score 72 goals, but there he is. And that that reminded me, too, who I was trying to think of, a shot that he reminds me of. Austin, You just said it, Austin Matthews. How shot he shoots from up here. How quickly he gets the puck off from out of nowhere and shows bar- barely any motion from it, and all of a sudden, boom, he's going shelf or he's blowing it by on blocker side. It's just incredible to watch. You watch three minutes of highlights for this guy. He can protect the puck for his size. He's able to get around guys quickly, even though, granted, we're looking at amateur talent. However, he has these goals because he has a special ability. His ability is shooting and he's got a good slap shot too from everything that I watch. He put that puck. If you imagine Ferk, he doesn't have the power of Ferk, but he has the accuracy of Ovi in my from what I watched. And that's just a broad opinion, maybe a little aggressive in how I'm, I'm wording that, but the way he was able to put the puck where he wanted to, whether it be a wrist shot or a slap shot, the the dude's got it's impressive. And that's think- something that Detroit does not have. Yeah, I think the other half of it is it's been reported that his work ethic is like Larkin's. Yep. He's the first one on the ice, for, uh, last one off the ice. Once practice is done, he's doing he's taking shot practice. He's scoring goals. He'll he'll make goalies stay with him to do to to practice shooting and he's constantly working on his forearm strength and his wrist strength. And that's where his power's at. Mm-hmm. He does special wrist workouts just to work on his wrist strength for shooting. And and the fact that this is not being said enough, the fact that he's going to the University of Wisconsin and, and going to play for the Badgers, like he's going to at least play one year there, probably two or three, and then you'll get an older guy that's already played against older older players, and he might even be ready for the NHL. And the one thing that people don't see here, though, you could run the risk of him not signing with you. That's the one thing about college players that you kind of have to be aware of. Yeah, yeah, but I you're taking that risk with any player yeah. you draft at this point. Yeah, that's, that's how the NHL yeah. is now. Caulfield is eager, though. I mean, he just mm-hmm. wants he wants to get drafted, and he wants to go. And, and he'll go to the University of Wisconsin, and he could be a one-and-done, like Larkin was a one-and-done at Michigan. It yeah, just not, right. depends, depends on how he does in the NCAA, but... I think between Caulfield and Zegris, I would not be sad if we drafted either of them. But Caulfield, no. I think, is my guy because it, it frees you up to to possibly make a trade 
make an Athanasiu trade or make a trade of one of your goal scorers and point getters because you can feel safe that you've got another one tucked away, possibly ready to come up and, and take their place. So you can maybe rebuild them faster. Mm-hmm. Well, the fact that you could have, you know, Zadina on one side of the umbrella and Caulfield on the other side of the umbrella for two one-timers, not just one, that, that starts to give you a pretty good power play in the future. I yeah. Mean, that- yeah. The- I think that, in my opinion, the smarter move is continue. I mean, you can you have more wiggle room when it comes to picking up a goal scorer in free agency per se. Or, but I think that if you have a guy like this, it's kind of what who was it the Islanders drafted? Was it last year or two years ago? That was another top scoring winger. Wallstrom. Right? Yes, Oliver uh, Wallstrom. That, that's who it was. This the pure goal scorer like that you kind of want to have and on a team that hurts for scoring goals it's it just makes sense to me yeah and like tyler said if you've got zadina who's a left shot on one side and you've got caulfield who's a right shot on the other side mm-hmm. i mean that's that's gonna murder a team right there and especially for the poor luck that detroit has had in getting a great right-handed shot i mean you look at bruner going back a couple of years <laughs> The one and done, and then you've got Polkinen, who never came to him much of anything, Firk. and then now you've got Furk. Yeah, having a, a guy like this being able to come in, you know what his background is. Granted, the kid's eighteen years old, and things could happen, but those three names that we just I just mentioned, he they didn't have this build up. So mm-hmm. it as much as a center would be fantastic if Valino works out, he's there next year, if not this year. And then you have two years from now, maybe three. You got you're, we're talking about Cole Caulfield with Larkin and Zadina for a power play unit, and oh. and Mantha, and oh. Heronic. Stop. <laughs> so I think we're gonna move on to our our couple questions we got from Twitter, and then we'll wrap up. So the first question is, uh, and they're both from Jay Croft on Twitter at Warm Chord Music asks, what do you think it would take for Eiserman to land Truba? Let's assume a long-term deal isn't a factor, which would significantly increase Winnipeg's return. Is this where Athanasiu gets moved? So I'll I'll put it this way. If you get an agreement in place that, that Trouba will sign with your team, I'll, I'll say you're going to have to give up a piece like Athanasiu. You're going to have to give up probably a high second pick, yep. and you're going to have to give up a prospect. And I think three pieces could get it done because Winnipeg knows that Truba doesn't want to go there or stay yeah, there. Yeah. I don't know. Because, you know, you know, Detroit's not going to be given up. I don't know if they'd, they'd really be dealing a prospect in a trade like this one, because that means you're having to give up a forward. Because when you look at their defense right now, there's not a whole lot of wiggle room that they have, as we just talked about a little bit ago. So I would almost have to say it'd be two draft picks and a positional player to try to make a move like that happen. Could you give up Athanasiu, and could you give up, say, a guy like Joe Hicketts? I don't think Hicketts is going to get it done, though. I mean, Hicketts is a no. depth, depth 7D guy. If you've got a guy that's – I think you'd have to have someone that's at the – front end of an entry level deal or not signed yet to an ELC because it tickets is what 22 years old. 
Yeah, something like like that. So you're running the risk of him being, he only signs his tender for a single year. And then you're going to, he's not even, you're trying, you have to replace that production that you're giving up with Truba. And and Hicketts is like, to your point, he's not going to necessarily be the guy that can do that. Yeah, so I think your your comparable trade you're probably going to be looking at is what what happened between Tampa and New York for Ryan McDonough. Tampa got McDonough and JT Miller, and they gave the Rangers Nemestikov, Libor Hijack, Brett Howden a first and a conditional second. So that's a lot. Now, they did get JT Miller and Ryan McDonough, so you got a yeah. pretty good uh, second, third-line guy in JT Miller. And Ryan Dunna, who was one of Tampa's probably best, I mean, you're trying to beat out a headman, but he was a good defenseman for Tampa and he's still going to be good. So you're probably can, you probably don't need to throw in the first round pick, Uh but you're going to have to give up three or four pieces to try and get Truba from Winnipeg. All right. Say there's no, no agreement in place. Do you just trade Athens? Do you form straight up or no? If there's no agreement trade. See, to do that, though, you're potentially giving away Athanasiu for nothing. Nothing, yeah. That's, that's, at that point. So, no. I mean, they'd have to get yeah, Truba but and something got, else. Athanasiu's on a final – his his end of a one-year deal, and he's going to be restricted as well. So, you, so you're saying – rights for rights? Essentially. I mean, I guess. It, uh, I don't – Without without even a, without a verbal, it's hard to make any kind of deal, I think. That he's gonna well, sign. Would, that he's would, gonna sign with Detroit, Truba. Yeah, I I would make the deal, and because there, there's a, there's only one way you can do this. If you want to draft and develop, okay, that's fine. But you're going to have to make trades at some point, and you're going to have to take some chances. Now, is that something Eisenman wants to do in his first year? Maybe not. He However, did it in Tampa. He did do it in Tampa, and it did work out for him. They they got to the conference finals. I think a year into when when he left. So, or, or maybe it was two years after after he got there, they got to the conference finals against the Bruins. They got the game t- seven of the conference finals, and if you're going to make decisions, you're going to have to make at least a hard decision and, and take a chance. And so that's why I would say if you, if Truba if you don't know if Truba is going to stay, but you still think he could be a part of it, you could try to sell him on it, and then halfway through the year say, hey, look, here's here's your long term deal. Do you want it or not? And if not, you trade him at the deadline. I mean, if anything, I don't think Truba is going to go the seven or eight. I could see him pulling a Larkin because he's 25 years old and only wanting to do a five or a six year deal. Yeah. Or even four because that takes him right into the middle of his prime. Granted, for de- defenders, it could be a little bit different. I don't have the the fancy stats pulled up for what the decrease is for defenders necessarily, but I think it's more of a tricky situation with him him being, I think, what twenty five, correct? Yeah, I believe so. So your ideal would be a seven year deal, and then you can work with it from there, depending on how his production is up to that point, but. I mean, for what Detroit needs, I mean, we kind of hit on this with a Carlson type. Carlson's, what, 28 years old? Yep. You take those three years off for a guy like Truba. If you can get away with getting rid of, like, two second-round picks, maybe this year, next year, and uh, I don't, I, I feel like Anthony Sio might be too much at that point. But if you're going two high-round picks, but I don't know. It, yeah. that, one, that one's tough to me. 
Well, we'll yep. go on to the last question, then we'll wrap it up tonight. Do we see some changes to the Wings scouting staff following the draft? He said it makes sense there wasn't a change so close to the draft, but do you expect Steve to bring in some of his own team during the summer? So, uh, I mean, yeah, sure. I don't think you're going to see a huge change. And you, I mean, you're going to see a new assistant coach. You're going, we already got Verbeek in. Mm-hmm. You're going to see, you're going to see some changes come down the line, but I'm not sure how much it's going to affect uh, scouting because what we would have got or liked to have gotten was Al Murray yep. and he stayed in Tampa. So but I'm he's not only sure. Got one year left. Yeah. And I'm not going to say the wings have a bad, I mean, the wings have a pretty good scouting department. I just think it was some of the choices that were made uh, were a little subject, but you'll probably see some new scouts come in. I mean, every every GM likes to bring some of their own guys in that have worked in the past and that want to move on to a different position, uh, to a better position or higher pay rate or whatever. So I think you'll see some guys come in, but it's I don't think it'll be anything super notable. I think the biggest thing to watch for is what happens after the draft and to see if, for one... I don't think anyone's going to be coming that Stevie may know this year because of the guys that he had in Tampa, I think are all on contract till through next year. I think the thing this season to watch and keep an eye on is whether or not anyone bolts to go with Kenny over in Edmonton. Because yeah, then, then, then Stevie's hands getting forced. Tyler Wright seems to be a possibility. Yeah. I think that, I think White Wright would look more to try to go for a bigger role, not necessarily even just because he being at the assistant level. So yeah, yeah I think you'll see I'll, you'll see more people brought in if people choose to leave to go with Holland. Yeah, but I, I also think that Iserman's reputation is kind of preceding himself and what he did with Tampa. So then the fact that we haven't seen any movement yet is probably more promising for how things are going to look, especially for like to your point how things have looked the last couple of years in regards to their actual drafting. So yeah. I, I personally, I don't see a whole lot going on. No, at I don't least, see I don't see a whole lot year. either. I don't see a whole lot either this year. Um, next year might be a different story and, you know, obviously things do change, um, but I, I don't see a major change. I think uh, the change in philosophy might be different. You know, there might be a different philosophy where Ken Holland was trying to get bigger guys you know, with, with Rasmussen and um, Svechnikov and even even Chalowski, he was getting bigger guys. I don't know if that's that's going to hold true. I'll go back to Mantha. But yeah, oh, yeah, and Mantha, too, as well. Yeah, so I don't know if that's going to hold All right, true. Guys. What's going to go on with that? But we'll I'm going to get you guys' final thoughts, and we'll wrap it up. We'll start with you, Tyler. You can follow me on Twitter at SealDog91. I remember it again. That's your final thought, is that they can just follow you on Twitter? Well, I mean... He, he was so right, focused Ryan, on remembering his Twitter my, handle this time my, around. My final thoughts, if you must, is... Um, oh, I must. Hopefully we can get to the draft very soon, and we can start talking about it, and then the season comes, because I'm already sick of not watching the Revenants on TV. Ryan? We're three less than three weeks away from the draft. Uh... Fuck Boston. <laughs> Go Blues. Gloria all the way. I still think Blues in six, by the way. Me too. Um, but uh, no, I mean, it, it's a, another year that's promising for the Wings. I know we're going to go more in depth here in the next two weeks or so, when, right before the draft hits. But it's a promising draft class. 
the two guys we talked to tonight could make an immediate impact, maybe not this coming season, but two years from now, which is the window that we, I think we've been beaten to death in regards to where the wings could start making a difference. So I don't think it really matters who they end up picking at number six this season. Uh, It's, it's, they're going to be a guy, hopefully getting a quality player. Yes, exactly. So I'm not too worried if it's the two of the guys we mentioned, even if it's the other guys that we talked about and didn't really go into detail on, it's not going to be a bad thing. So there's a lot of promise leading into the off season, which I think we've been preaching for a while. So we'll see what happens. And then Twitter handle RD Ryan 33. My final thoughts are the same as Ryan's basically down with Boston, long live St. Louis. (laughs) I really hope they win. They deserve it. I would really be very sad to see Brad Marchand get anywhere near the Stanley cup again. So and for um, Layla, Layla. Yes. Yes. But you can follow me online at Bringing the Wing. You can follow the Grindline Podcast online at Grindline Pod. You can find our podcast pretty much everywhere. Just go to Google and Google Grindline Podcast to find all the places that we're at. Apple is doing something weird coming up. They're taking all the different sections of iTunes and making them their own app. Mm. So we will be on the podcast uh, Apple app, I assume, Isn't eventually. Isn't already an app by itself, though? I don't know. But we're, yes. we'll be there. We'll be on Apple in some yeah. form or fashion. But you can also find our merch shop uh, on, if you go to redbubble.com and search the grind line, our merch is there. We do still have that shirt up for uh, supporting women's hockey. So you can go buy that. Some of the proceeds, a uh, portion of the proceeds will go toward that. We only make like three or four bucks a shirt. So it's that three or four bucks a shirt that will go toward the women's hockey fund. Mm-hmm. But I think that's all we have tonight. So for Ryan and Tyler, I am Greg. You stay classy, Hockey Town.